guys. All right. Good evening and welcome to Lost in the Long Box for Wednesday, November 11th. Uh, this is a special all digital edition because oddly enough, all of us had scheduling conflicts and we can't make it into the, the studio. Enos, move your hand. I like Enos' opinion. I'm about to say. So I, I'm, I'm your host, Rando, and I have all my cohorts in crime here. Tommy, say hello. Hello. Uh, Olivia, say hello. Hello. Um, Enos, say hello. Hello, folks. And, and Madman is actually working the boards. Um, and Olivia is actually the one who is on the road. She's um, not at home. She is traveling this week. So uh, you're traveling next week too, right? Yeah. Okay. So now is this um, for gateway stuff or personal stuff? It's just a mini road trip. We're okay, like cool. in the mountains and stuff. Realized I hadn't asked. I figured I would just go ahead and ask you what you were doing here. If it was something fun or if it was work. So glad it's fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, how's everyone's week been? Good. So far, so good. No complaints. Fantastic. I uh, I went to CGC's website today and logged in because I wanted to check the census on the five books that I sent um, that I bought over at Gateway earlier this year because I couldn't remember when I bought them. But I said, you know what? I'm just going to start checking the census on them. And as soon as the number dings up, I'll know it's mine. Right? <laughs> I'll just keep track. How many of this grade? How many of that grade? When the number goes up, I like that means mine just got graded. You would hope, right? Well, they should give you updates on you know wh what stage it's in. As long they as should, have... if you submitted it under your account, which I did not. Ah, okay, good point. Good point. That's it's right. Under Olivia and Gateway's account. Yeah, so. Gateway's in that for you. Okay, good. good. I've been That's... I've been meaning to get my own membership for the longest time, and I just have not done it. Well, how do you? Okay, so now let's back up. How are you submitting at AwesomeCon? The last couple of years when we were going, I have a books. free member. I have the free membership. Oh, okay. I've been meaning to upgrade to one of the one of the paid memberships, um, and I haven't done it because if you because they have the one where it's like one hundred and fifty dollars, but you get one hundred and fifty dollar credit towards grading, right. so it's essentially free. And actually, mine is free too because I remembered now that um, with the free one, you can log in, you can see the census, but you can't see the grader notes on your own books unless you paid for the membership. Right. Right. So, um, and I think we just lost Olivia. All right. So let's go ahead and jump into some news items here. Um, let me find my news items. Um, so Umbrella Academy is a go for season three. Yay. Which means I need to go ahead and finish watching seasons one and two. Um, it's going to start filming in February. So everybody who was watching Umbrella Academy, good news. Yes, it has been renewed and it will start production in four months. So I've fantastic. about it, but I haven't watched it yet. It is I've watched, so good. I've watched the first two episodes. Um, episode two is when the hook comes in that got me. So I'm definitely going to keep watching it now. Yeah, maybe we'll start watching this, uh, watching it here sometime soon. Yeah, but it's for uh, good things. I just have not sat down to watch it yet. Yeah, the, the, actually, the first episode is really good too, especially when the one brother pops back in <laughs> and they're all gathered in the kitchen and he's making a peanut peanut butter sandwich like it's just nothing. <laughs> So it's like, okay, obviously they're used to him doing this, right? <laughs> also, um, I don't know if you guys saw this. This actually might be uh, a book worth picking up. X-Men Legends is also going to be premiering in February of next year. And apparently it's going to be telling some stories that are still in the incontinuity in set from when the original creators were on them. So like Peter David, Larry Hama, um, Louise Simonson, Chris Claremont. And it looks like they're going to finally go in there and um, 
tie up loose ends or like plot uh, thread lines that got dangled and never completed by these creators. So it looks like that might be pretty good. I'm looking forward to that one. You have to check that out. I mean, anything anything written by uh, by those creators and taken care of by those creators has got to be good. Yep. All right, Enos, what is your news item? Well, mine this week is going to be really about um, there's a lot of turmoil at DC Comics, and turmoil is a mile compared to what's going on. Number one, first news story is that they're talking about ending the um, intertwining continuity with the other characters. I don't know what the devil, what, what the whole purpose of that is, but but to, that doesn't make sense to me. So, in other words, it's going to be like every story is going to be going on, but the other characters don't even know the others exist now. But my understanding, from what I've seen on that, is like Batman is going to exist in his own universe. Superman right. is going to exist in his own universe. You know, there, you know, and if there's a crossover, it's a crossover from the Superman. Like if there's Batman and Superman. It's a crossover mm-hmm. for, with the Superman from Batman's universe, so it doesn't have any impact on Superman's books. Um, I mean, I'll be honest with you; I don't necessarily think that's a bad idea. Oh, it's a horrible idea. Yeah, I, especially after they've known, after they've intertwined with each other for damn near eighty years. It doesn't make any sense to me to like all of a sudden. Okay, well, let's have everybody in their own universe. It doesn't make any sense. I, I get. What they're trying to do, they're trying to keep it in line with CW, because if you, same thing with MCU, if you only know the characters from MCU, you're lost in the comics. If you only know the DC characters from CW, and then you're reading the comics, like, well, wait a minute, why are they all on the same Earth when CW has established that Flash is on another Earth and Supergirl right. is on another Earth? So I can maybe see if they're doing that, but I, I start getting upset when the industry starts pandering to what I call the the Johnny Come Lately fans. Right. And also been basically what I like to call going Hollywood. Right. <laughs> and and because, because the sad thing about all of this is that when these folks go Hollywood, all the like you like you were just saying, Randy, the Johnny Come Lately fans, all they know is what's in Hollywood. They don't pick up comics. They don't read. They don't forgive I'm, I'm not trying to sound as an indictment, but then again, maybe it is. Maybe I do need to say this. Maybe um, it's because most of these fans don't pick up comics, and half the time when they come up against someone like the four of us, they wind up getting looking looking stupid because they don't know what the hell they're talking about. I don't mind that. I I, I have no problem saying someone, well, no, you don't quite have that right. Oh, well, I don't either, but I mean... The part, the part I don't like is when I correct them, and they look at me like I have two freaking heads. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, and like, and, and then... They get insulted when you tell them read. They don't <laughs> and like it. Then I'm like, you know, how in the world are you gonna get mad for somebody telling you to pick up a damn book and read? It doesn't make any sense. Well, you, you do it the way I do it. So you know, you know, that was a good story. Find the original comic version and read that. You'll be much happier. Exactly. All right. So, did you have another news item, or was that it, brother? Um, I have another one where um, there has been. I just saw this this afternoon. Um, it hasn't been confirmed yet, but DC, um, courtesy of our good friend, Mr. Can't Draw Feet, Rob Liefeld. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. from, uh, yeah, he posted this afternoon from Bleeding Cool, and I'm starting to use it. They used to be pretty reputable, but now I'm starting to lose a lot of respect for them. And there are some more massive layoffs in the house of DC. Nothing has been confirmed, but a formal Marvel editor by the name of Marie Javins, has been named editor-in-chief. So there may be some hope for these books now because 
when she was at Marvel, some good stuff got, we saw some good stuff. So hopefully we're going to see some really good things coming from DC now. But then again, the layoffs are um, apparently they're very real, but they have not made any formal announcement as of yet. But you know, the last time there wasn't a formal announcement, it, it turned out to be true. So do not be surprised if this is confirmed a few weeks down the road. Well, I, I would believe it only because HBO and Warner Brothers are bleeding money. And, oh, yeah. and so they're trying to cut expenses wherever they can. And unfortunately, that means all of their smaller companies have to take the hit first. Yeah. yeah. So, and and let's, let's be honest. DC has lagged behind for years and has been playing catch up ever since the 80s. Exactly. Um, so who knows? I mean, but the, the, it happens to everybody. Marvel had their bout, which I'll get into later, actually, during our news. Tommy, what is your news item? So C2E2, which is the Chicago Comic-Con and Emerald City Con, have moved uh, from March of next year to December of next year due to... I was reading that, yeah. Yeah, so they've, they've, had, to, they've had to reschedule for the end of next year instead of the uh, beginning of next year. I'm wondering what this means for some of the other cons, like, um, like for example, uh, Awesome Con, because that's supposed to be in May. I'm wondering if that's going to be how much further behind that's going to be before they reschedule. Well... I, I don't know. It it depends on how soon. And let's let's try to avoid world news and current events because that's what the magazines are for. But it depends on how soon Pfizer gets the virus. The, the virus. God gets the uh, antidote out and how well it works. Um, pushing it back is a good thing. I understand that they're like, hey, you know, we're still not over this. Let's wait till everyone's been uh, immunized, what have you. And, and look at it this way, you guys. It gives those cosplayers seven more months to complete their costumes. So all of you that were rushing on costume, you can start slacking again. Well, it's, not, I'm, it's not I'm here not in March. I'm worried about that, but it does give me a little bit more time to put away some more money. Yeah, you, that don't, too. you don't dare show up with a horrible costume at the next cosplay event. Right, well, exactly. See, Madman Mad has a point, uh, and you're laughing, but if you show up with a half-assed costume at a con, everyone else is going to be like, you had a year and a half, man. Right. Randy's going to show up as Mr. Miracle. So, I mean, it doesn't matter what, no, that, what, what you have. He will be I, showing up as Mr. Miracle if Tom King is present. I got to retire that. The belt took a hit finally. So, Well, you'll find some way to do that because, you know, you want to go up to Tom and say hi as Mr. Miracle. <laughs> you know. How long has this podcast been going? Two years? Almost three now, right? You can still be fired, Tommy. I'm just putting that I can still be fired, but you know what? I'm going to give you a hard time about Tom King until the day we die. It's, it's, it's just what's going to happen, man. Just, just, uh, just like you give me a hard time about New Mutants 98. These things are going to happen. Okay, but, but see, mine is warranted because you screwed up. <laughs> and mine is revenge. Just revenge. Yeah, but, yeah, but Tommy, remember I made him a shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what he's gonna wear next time. It's it's not gonna be the Mister Miracle outfit. It's gonna be that shirt with Tom King's. Pants. I hate you both. That's All right, you gotta sign his chest. That's what you're gonna do. Hey, Olivia, I need you to do me a favor when you're back in town. Um, mm -hmm. Ask Cherokee if she would like a job on the podcast because I'm about to fire two people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So moving on, Olivia, what is your? Uh, hang on, Tommy. Did you have another new story besides that? No, that was all I had. All right, Olivia, go ahead with your news. 
Well, as far as news goes, I don't have much, but staff picks wise, um, we launched our November reading program. It's all about binge worthy reads. So if you like any of the Netflix shows that are on Avatar, The Lost Airbender, they have a graphic novel for it. Lucifer season five, part two is coming out soon. Lucifer is, of course, one of my favorite books. All the Star Wars movie tie-ins. We have a lot of good reading material for if you watch the movies and stuff, but you're trying to find source material for them in the comic book world. It's all laid out for you. Awesome. Uh, so did you have other recommendations? Because I'll tell you what, I actually have one I want to go over. You go ahead. So, well, I know if you still have, if you have more, go for it. That was it for now. <laughs> okay. Um, so you actually mentioned this book last week, um, and I made it a point to read it today before the show because I'm a little bit behind. I'm rereading all of the uh, Invincible series now that I have all the uh, the hardcovers. Um, but I told myself I need to read this before the show because you pushed it last week. Um Crossover number one by Image Comics is that showing up on the webcam yeah, over there, guys? A lot a little bit. A lot a little bit. Up a lot a little bit. Yeah, li- lift it up a little bit. Head up below. There you go. Right there. Uh, but yeah, so this was actually a really good book. Um, uh, Olivia is right. If you guys did not pick this up, Tommy, I don't know if you had this in your poll. Um, Olivia, just drop one in Tommy's box too. Or actually, damn, that's right. You're not there. I'll. When I go tomorrow to get my comics, I'll make them drop one on Tommy's box. Yeah, um, I got covered. <laughs> but yeah, this this has a really great ending, and I see exactly what Olivia said. The title crossover is giving away what's about to happen with this book. So if you haven't picked it up, go to your local comic shop and get a copy. Because I thoroughly enjoyed that one. All right, let's go to the show and tell. Who would like to go first? I can I'm go. go first if you want me to. Go right ahead. Tommy, take it. So inspired by uh, Madman's uh, copy of X-Men number one, I have come, b- come back with the another one of the ultimate 90s comics. This is a comic that if you collected during the 90s, you are required by law in like 35 states to own. It is Spider-Man number one. Yep. <laughs> yeah. How many different covers you got? This is the only cover I have. This is the only one I own. Uh, I, I win. I have two. Oh, you have two. Which, which ones do you have? Do you have the silver one? I have that one and the black. Silver one, the black and silver. Yeah, this is the this is the only cover I have is this one. But like I said, you you know, in thirty five states, those of us that collect in the nineties are required to own this if we continue to play. You, the funny thing is, I have none of those left now. Did <laughs> you sell them all? The, and the only one I ever had was the regular um, bagged one. That's you know, it's a little cover blurb and that said first collector's item issue. Oh yeah. Um, I I remember wanting the silver one because the silver was a premium one, right? Yeah. yeah. I love I love that cover, even though I was not a huge fan of McFarlane's Spider-Man. I loved a lot of his other work, but I was never a huge fan of his Spider-Man. I loved that cover. I think this book came out when I was about 13 years old, and I remember having a fit to get it and yeah. then reading it, and it was just disappointing. Yes. Yeah. Well, yes. and you, it's just, it was art only. The yeah, story fell. Oh my God. The, the story is just, well, this, this isn't a good book. This is a great looking book from the cover, but it is not a good read. Well, remember, Todd McFarlane was uh, the hot thing on Spider Man, so they wanted to give him his own title. I think there was some type of negotiation where he told Marvel to give him his own Spider Man title, and that's what we ended up getting, right? Right. That's yeah. exactly how we got it. And, and he wrote it. And, you know, I did, I did like his, his early spawn stuff better, but he, he, he got better. third place. All right. But yeah. So. All right. Enos, what do you got for show and tell? Okay. Well, in honor of Veterans Day, well, I got two. 
I got Iron Veterans Day. Happy Veterans Day, uh, Madman. Yeah, same to you, man. I, I have a signed Captain America uh, drawing by Billy Tucci, who did oh, that's um, that's nice. Who did Sergeant Rock for DC, but he's most is he's most best remembered for the character She, which was a Asian type character. Lady was beautiful, but she was lethal. Can everybody see that? Yeah, pull yes. it back a little. Yeah, pull There's it back a little bit so we get the whole comic. There we go. And down. Down. There we there go. There you go. Perfect. Stop. Lovely. That's pretty. Uh, That's pretty. Okay. Now and I feel like the eye doctor. Better now or better now? <laughs> or about the same. And tying in with tonight's theme, I have the collected first story art from Now Comics, The Green Hornet by, awesome. Rob, by Ron Fortier and Jeff Butler. And as you can see, you have the 1940 Green Hornet and the 1940 Cato and the 1966 Green Hornet and Cato that is was immortalized by Van Williams and Bruce Lee. The um, original Green Hornet was Gordon Jones and Key Luke, who, if you're a kid of the 70s like me and Randy, was Master Poe, the blind Shaolin master from the David Carradine TV series. <laughs> yeah. And you should do a Green Hornet show and just let Enos have his, you know, have the whole show, kind of like we did with the Phantom last week. Well, know? it's just uh, every time you think of uh, Kung Fu, you always remember a little that always remembered a bit about when you can take that pebble from my hand. <laughs> right. And you, wanted, and you just wanted to punch him. I'm like, give me the damn rock. <laughs> <laughs> Madman, what do you got for show and tell? Okay. Well, since we're talking about the nineties kind of stuff, uh, I brought in a couple of classics from the nineties, like wildcats. Number oh. one. Oh. Nice. Yeah. So nineties, uh, very nineties. Well, well, image will be our independence cover uh, topic next week. Yeah, and I will. I know we'll go more into them later. Also, right. this. But yeah, you made a, a great point. And young blood. Yeah, uh, Liefeld oh, and uh, Lee. They both uh, were like the big names that went to image. So I brought those, and I brought these comic books here that I have no idea what they are. Zot! Not- oh my God, Zot! Yeah, <laughs> yeah by Scott McCloud. <laughs> Part one. I never read Zot, (laughs) but I mean, I knew the character. It was always, it had that really unique look about him. I just never got around to reading any of them. Yeah. He struck me a little bit of like E-Man. He had that look about him. You know what I'm saying? E-Man. All right. So what I brought in, tonight's subject, uh, we are talking about the independent publishers. Um, This is actually part one. We're going to be talking about all the non-image comic companies out there um image will get their own topic next week but keeping with the theme of independence um boy you guys are gonna like this one um i brought in um the lucio 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 perilla cover uh version cover of vampirilla 8 from dynamite comics oh that's nice very well drawn that almost looks like a photograph yeah, I mean that is a beautiful cover. Uh, if I didn't do any better, I think it was. But uh, the the uh, oh, the detail on, show on it again. Cover, huh? Got to show it again. Oh, you still got it. Never mind. Yep, still up here. Cool. Uh, I know that glare's killing it. Um, I don't it's know which like this. Better there. But yeah, it's uh, is it? You should see this thing in person. This is a beautiful book. Very uh, sexy. Yes. Did you want to put it back up there? No, it's. I was just saying it's very sexy. With a question mark? 
Well, yes, no, it, there's no question about it. It is. Okay. Oh, yes, it's uh, just so sexy. The, um, which one mm-hmm. is it? Um, the Vampirilla 2, her costume, it's the art germ cover. Her costume, because, uh, you know, she usually wears that red piece that just, let's be honest, just covers, you know, the, the naughty bits. Um, it's actually done by dripping blood instead of the actual fabric. So, all right. But anyway, tonight's subject is going to be the independent publishers. So I think we all took a couple of them. Who would like to go first? Good, Tommy. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll start with uh, IDW, which was founded in 1999, 21 years ago, by Ted Adams, Alex Garner, Chris, I'm going to butcher this last name, Aprisco, and Robbie Robbins. Um, so they started in, in, 20, uh, in 99 with each of them owning... 25% of the company. The company is now owned by IDW Media Holdings and is traded on the NASDAQ Stock Exchange under uh, under the name IDWM. So if you guys uh, are interested in owning a part of a comic book company, you can by going on to, by, by trading on NASDAQ. It's currently trading at about $3.84 a share. So, you know, affordable way to buy yourself some comic book stock. And IDW, aren't they the ones who, right after the reimagined star trek came out they started doing the star trek series set in that universe in the jj abrams universe yes they are i want to say they did so yeah that, that's one of, that is one of their current titles is, is star trek they've had that license for quite some time now if i'm not mistaken um their first traditional comic series was 30 days of night which was we all know went on oh. which you know became a became a movie series it started a it says it started a seven figure bidding war between dreamworks mgm Senator International with Senator International winning the uh, rights with uh, Sam Raimi att- attached to produce. I can't remember if I've seen that movie or not. 30 Days of Night is a great movie. Um, it's a vampire type movie, isn't it? It's a vampire yeah. movie, right? Oh, oh yes. Don't you know the premise? So, you know, there's parts of Alaska where night lasts six months. Yes. Yeah. So you, so you have a set of vampires who are like, hey, there's no need to worry about this whole hibernating today. Let's just go up north where we get solid night for six months. And just that premise alone chills you because that means they, right. you know, they're free to feed for half a year. Right. Yeah, I, I know. I, I've heard the area you talk about because they have the uh, the midnight baseball game there when they have the six months of, uh, of, of light. Yeah. Um, but uh, some interesting stuff about them is that in 2004, 2005 and 2006, IDW Publishing was named Publisher of the Year by Diamond Comics. So that's pretty impressive, you know, beating out Marvel and DC for a publisher of the year of three straight years, you know. Um, they are considered to be the fifth largest comic book uh, company behind, uh, of course, Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, uh, Dark Horse and Image Comics, and ahead of others such as Archie Boom, Dynamite Valiant, and Ani Press. Um, they, you know, they have a wide variety of stuff. They have a, you know, do a lot of licensing, you know, the, you know, the aforementioned 30 Days of Night. Uh, a bunch Disney titles, DuckTales. They, they do Dungeons and Dragons books, uh, Ghostbusters, G.I. Joe, Judge Dredd. Lock and Key is a big one, too. I've never read the Lock and Key um, comics, but I did enjoy their the Netflix show. I thought that was fantastic. Um, IDW also, too, has now earned their own little section in Diamond Previews. Because yeah. the, way, the way Diamond Previews used to be set up is you would go in and you would have the big section that was all DC, right? And every every page was splash page of DC titles and then same thing with Marvel and then image came along and then you had the other section where it just would list all the other titles, like a little green banner and show little pictures of their comics. Um, 
they have quickly come to the forefront so that now when you open the previews, there is a big image section that's our dedicated pages. Then there's an IDW section that are now dedicated pages, just like yeah. also for Dynamite and Boom. So they've come up quick. Yeah, this this one here looks really interesting. I've never read it, but it's called October Faction. It looks, you know, from the from the looks of it, it looks pretty um, interesting. They have Sonic the Hedgehog, Star Trek, um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They've been a longtime publisher of Transformers. Um, yeah, I know in the past I've read their Transformers and GI Joe stuff, and re- and you know rather enjoyed it. It's good. It's good stuff. Um, so if you, know, you ever get a chance and want something new or unique, maybe uh, get back to your days as a, as a kid. Check out some Transformers. Always good to read The Adventures of Optimus Prime. Right. Well, and they also have the same classification or distinction that keeps them and a whole bunch of other independents alive is that they seem to live off of the um, franchised. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're doing I mean, they're doing well with it. I mean, you know, if that's if that's working for you, man rock it out you know it doesn't look you know from from looks of things they're not a huge superhero book but who needs it if you got if you're successful with your other things right um you know at one point in time they were running like you know six or seven different transformers titles so obviously they they're popular and they sell you know right so so funny talking about them and living off of um the licensed properties i'm going to pass it over to olivia because i think she's going to talk about dark horse and about Mm -hmm. what happened with them and one of their huge licensed properties yeah, so Dark Horse does a lot of popular titles, but their biggest thing is that they draw off of already licensed material like Star Wars. Um, another big one was Critical Role, Vox Machina, Buffy the Vampire Slater, a lot of stuff like that. Aliens, another big one. But in 2014, Lucasfilm actually pulled the licensing from Star Wars and obviously it switched over to Marvel, which is why we have the giant Disney Plus platform with all the Star Wars movies and everything on it now. Um, that crushed them a lot until they started to get more licensing like Alien and Buffy the Vampire Slayer and everything. Well, and here's here's what's funny, though, because you said, um, and I remember this, if I can just jump in here for a second. When Disney bought Lucasfilm, all of us who read comics went, oh, man, poor Dark Horse, because we knew what was coming. We knew yeah, that Marvel was going to... That was their bread and butter. Right. And we, knew Dark, we knew Dark Horse was going to lose Star Wars. Um, but then a lot of us said, oh, they got Aliens and Predator. They'll be fine. And then what happened two years later? Yep. Disney bought Fox. <laughs> yeah. I have to say, I'm impressed that that Dark Horse has done as well as it has having lost that Star Wars franchise. I, I honestly figured that when that Star Wars franchise reverted over to Marvel, I was like, well, in a few years, we're not going to have Dark Horse comics anymore because, you know, that was just such a huge part of it. Well, so was there, again, they, they were making a lot of money off of Aliens and Terminator, which is why a lot of us were like, on Predator, we're like, oh, they'll be fine, and they got that, and then Disney bought Fox, and of course, everybody went, well, if you're, if you're Dark Horse, how bad are you cussing right now? Yeah, you know? yeah, so I mean, I'm, I'm impressed that they're still holding, up, you know, holding on as well as they are and doing as well as they are. But, and, and Olivia brought this up, they quickly realized, okay, we need to start getting some original material in here because all of our licensed properties are going away. That book you and I loved um, last year, G- The Girl in the Bay, Fantastic. was Dark Horse and Burger Books. Mm-hmm. Fantastic book. They also have Hellboy, The Mass, Trekker, Black Cross, but their biggest thing is definitely Sin City. Um, it's not one I've read yet. I put it on my reading list, but they do still have enough of their other titles to kind of keep them afloat. But, you know, 2014 is when it kind of took a dive. Back in 2006, it was actually the third largest comic book publisher right under Marvel and DC. So you can see how far they fell there. Oh, right. Well, remember, um, 
for a long time in the 90s, you had four publishers. You you had DC, Marvel, Image, and Dark Horse. That was it. Um, yeah. you, you had guys like now, well, and Valiant, but I'm going to get there in a second. Um, you had some other guys like now who were trying to make a dent, and then they folded. And then you had Malibu who was starting to make a dent, and then Marvel said, that's a, really, that's a really nice color separation process you have. So they bought Malibu and shut it down. <laughs> Malibu has oh. some pretty decent stuff too. They they had some pretty good looking stuff. Well, it is um, another char- another character who really prospered, licensed character that prospered at Dark Horse, and um, who is I believe still there that nobody really talks about was Tarzan. Because right. they got the because um, Dark Horse got the rights to. The Joe Cuban run at DC, the John Buscema run at Marvel, Russ Manning, just to name a few, and um, and and then the Tarzan franchise really prospered at um at Dark Horse. Now Dynamite, who Randy you said you'll be talking about them later, got a hold of the license, did a Tarzan book, but they couldn't use the name Tarzan. They called it Lord of the Jungle. Right. So. So Dark Horse still has the Tarzan franchise, but still you can see that still doesn't stop Tarzan from being everywhere, anywhere else, but with them exclusively. But it right. just be under a different name. Yeah, so I, I think Dark Horse, the fact that they've managed to hold on um, is going to be around a lot longer because they seem to have now, I don't want to say righted the ship, but they seem to have pulled out of the whole, oh crap, we lost our three biggest franchises, now what do we do? Right. Yeah, it's been it's pretty impressive that they've been able to to, to hang around because you know again I figure once they lost Star Wars it was only a matter of time. Uh, I think the last Hellboy movie they just made might have um, done a little bit to pad their coffers a bit, so generated was more interest in the character. Because I didn't really hear a lot about that. I, I haven't watched it. I got to be honest. I haven't mm. seen it either. I honestly did not hear anything good about it. Most of what I heard was negative. So, hey, Enos, who's your independent publisher you got? Okay, well, being that um, a lot of the publishers that we had back during the 80s dealt with um, licensed or franchise characters. One that um, I picked my curiosity that I enjoyed picking up books by was First Comics. And they had two main characters that was really their bestsellers. There was a character called Badger who was just imagine Wolverine, but that, you know what, crazy. And who was this great fighter, what I, but he was a nut. That was one of the best sellers, but there was another one that um, solidified the legacy of one of our favorites, Mike Grell, and that's John Sable Freelance. Yes. Which, and there was a, um, who became so popular that he was one of the first independent comic book characters to get his own TV series with this show called Sable uh, back in 1988 with a relatively unknown actor named Louis Van Bergen. The show didn't last too long, but it made enough of an impact where enough people noticed, um, made, made people notice that, hey, there's, a, there's some, there's some uh, validity or, or more solid, so to speak, and bringing these comic books to TV and eventually the film. So um, John Sable was one of the first. Another one was Comico, who was, now these, all these didn't last very long. Comico gave us, gave us the revival of Johnny Quest. 
and um, brought back um, Doug Wilde, the creator, and who actually did some of the artwork. Now, a lot of these characters didn't stay, like, like I said, a lot of these books didn't stay around very long, but they did sell very well during the time that they were out because both First and Comico went under. Comico... Um, and there, really, there isn't really a whole lot more. Com- Comico had the, the really great superhero series that I loved, um, The Elementals. Um, written by Bill Willingham, who of course later goes on and writes that that, that fabulous um, fable series over at DC. But Elementals, I think, for the longest time is what kept Comico around when everything, that and John Sable, well, but when they started having money problems and couldn't pay their creators, um, they left and of course the company folded. Because I know that Comico had Elementals, but they were also at one point um, with innovation, right? Because I know both Hero Alliance and I think yeah. Comico were with innovation at one time. So uh, innovation was another one that had and a lot of promise. Justice Machine also? And, and Justice Machine. So so actually, I don't think Hero Alliance ever went to Comico. It's hard to tell. They they, they hopped companies so back and forth there. Um, yeah. But one of the companies that I have, um, which is actually um, – Started off really strong, had a huge bottom dropout, thought they were done with, and now they're back on top and doing just as good again. Um, so remember back in the late 80s, Marvel Comics went bankrupt. Um, and at the time, Jim Shooter, the editor-in-chief at Marvel, or who had been like Jesse before, and uh, Stephen Mes- Mesarski, um, and a other group of investors tried to buy Marvel Comics, and it didn't work. They got outbidded by Ronald Perlman, who took the, the highest bid, but they had the second highest bid. So when they didn't win Marvel, they turned around and they formed Voyager Communications, which gave us Valiant Comics. Um, Valiant Comics, if you guys don't know, for a long time was set to overtake DC as the number two company. Um, every one of their titles was doing really good. Um, what they did was they're very first three titles or the first two titles were licensed characters. They got their hands on both Magnus robot fighter and solar men, the Adam from gold key. Um, and that was what their first two books were. I think um, Magnus released like in May of 1991, followed by solar in September. Um, but they also got some top name talent. They got like Barry Windsor Smith and Bob Layton working over there for them. So, and then they picked up uh Turok from the old Gold Key days. So at one point, um, they were actually like the um, top five publisher or top 10 list in Wigger Magazine for, you know, our Harbinger, number one, was like a, a top 10 list on Wizard Magazine for like eight months. Um, in 92, they won the best publisher under the 5% market share from Diamond, which is kind of a hard thing to do if you think about it. Um, and then they won best publisher. Um, over 5% market share. So they were up and coming. Um, one of the great things that about Valiant was Jim Shooter had a vision for what was going to happen. All their comics had a distinct timeline, and they were building up to something called the Unity event. And even though a lot of their titles at the time weren't interconnected, Unity was going to bring them all together. There was going to be a big end event that was going to tie the universe together, and it was all structured, and you saw that in everything they had. And their titles was like Turok, the Dinosaur Hunter, and, and Bloodshot, um, Archer and Armstrong, 
um, the Hardcore, Ninja, The Second Life of Dr. Mirage, Shadow Man. Um, Tommy, I think one of your favorite characters that you mentioned, Exo Man of War, came out of uh, Valiant. Mm-hmm. So I can read him during this time period. I read him much later in, in the 2010s. But yes, that was a great book. So there was a lot of great stuff over at Valiant. Um, and then just as all this is coming to fruition, and it, like I said, they're probably poised to take over the number th- number three company. I know that I was buying pretty much every title that um, they were putting out. In fact, in 1992, J- Jim Shooter, who was Valiant's editor-in-chief, he's given the Lifetime Achievement Award for co-creating the Valiant universe. So that tells you how big um, that line was getting in just a short amount of time because it was created like, what, 89, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. And then the bottom dropped out. Um, yeah. Jim Shooter left Valiant. Um, there are various reports. Um, he was asked to leave or his vision didn't meet with Valiant, so he chose to leave. But either way, there was a part of the company with Jim Shooter. And then Acclaim bought them. And that's when the bottom fell out. I mean, just horribly fell out. Because what Acclaim decided to start doing was focusing on the video game properties. So... Things like they made a video game out of Shadow Man. They made a game out of Turok Dinosaur Hunter. And as a result of that, the other books all started to suffer. Um, and then Acclaim lost like a major sports franchise game license. And they had to go bankrupt like in 2004, right? Uh, which looked like it was going to be the end of Valiant as well. But in 2005, um, Denise Shama Dasani and Jason Kathari acquired the rights to the Valiant Library. So they got all those original Valiant characters like Exo and Harbinger, and they relaunched the, um, the, the, the line. Now, Magnus and Solar, they fell back to the company that got all the, uh, the gold key properties, which I can't remember the name of the company. Sorry, excuse me. But they pretty much revitalized Valiant. Um, they brought back in Jim Shooter. They told some of their um, older stories on like a classic hardcover reprint. Um, and then they started bringing back a lot of the other characters. So they relaunched in 2011. They bought the rights, I guess, in 2005, and it took them a while to get up and running. Um, but they started their new books in May of 2012 with the original Valiant characters. Um, so they brought back Quantum and Woody. They brought back the Internal Warrior, which is a really great series they did. Um, they started doing some of their events. Um, in 2013, they won the, um, they got a nominator for um, a Harvey Award for Quantum and Woody. So they were doing really good. Um, and they actually are still going really strong. Um, I did not know this. I had to go back and, and read some of it. But they were bought by DMG Entertainment in 2018. And as a result of that, we got a Bloodshot movie with Vin Diesel back in March. Which wasn't bad. I don't know if you guys saw it or not. Um, I have not. We, um, actually, we actually own a copy of it through Amazon Prime. Uh, it was one of those movies. It was a comic book movie my wife wanted to see. Um, I'll give you three guesses why she wanted to see it. Vin Diesel. Uh, Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel, Vin, Vin Diesel, Diesel, and Vin Diesel. Right. <laughs> so we, we watched it. And, and, you know, it wasn't bad. I enjoyed it. It wasn't a bad, uh, bad movie. So horrible things about that movie. I, I have to. It wasn't well, bad. Well, here's the thing. It, it obviously made enough, Olivia, that they're doing a second one uh, because they've given a green light to a bloodshot too. But they've also said, and this is the part that kind of really excites me, um, one of the properties that they concentrated on heavily when they got the Valiant uh, license properties or got the Valiant rights um, characters was the Harbinger and especially Faith. 
And Olivia, you may know this, Faith sold really well for them, which she was one of the main characters of Harbinger. Um, but that is also the other properties they're looking to bring to the screen is Harbinger and the Harbinger Wars and Faith also. And they did say that they want this to be a tied together universe just like the MCU is. Well, that so, makes sense then. But so, you know, if you go into Bloodshot knowing that you're getting a Vin Diesel movie, you're going to like it. Don't I mean? Don't expect. Don't expect to be getting. Don't be expecting to be getting a Denzel Washington movie out of it. For example, you're getting a. Uh, so I mean, you know, just just you know, don't understand what to expect. How's it rated with the babysitter? Because wasn't he a babysitter in one movie? Oh yeah, I haven't seen, I haven't seen <laughs> it. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm but, sure he has, but I have not seen it. But yeah, so so Valiant, um, and I didn't realize how good they were doing, because I will be honest, I read Valiant back in the 90s when they appeared to not do any wrong and was really looking forward to Unity and what was going to come out of that. And then Jim Shooter left. And like I said, when Jim Shooter left, I think a lot of us, when Acclaim bought him, kind of said, well, that's the writing on the wall. That company's dead. And, and in many ways, it was um, until 2005 when they uh, were purchased and started redoing some of their characters but they've done really well so they did um one of their events was like the um summer of valiant with quantum and woody and then they d- did um a bunch of uh the titles that they launched uh, and brought to like um an ending with harbinger bloodshot and archer and armstrong and then they did like uh, an armor hunter saying with their valiant next storyline and time walker and the bloodshot reborn so they'd actually have done really well so not only did they do um, good in the 90s, but it looks like they are back in full throttling again in, in the 2000s as well. That 90s Harbinger number one was a book I always wanted to get back back in the day, but it was just so far out of my price range because I was like, you know, 13. And Harbin- Harbinger was one of their better books. I really loved Harbinger. I, I wanted that number one so bad because like you said, it was such a hot book. And I mean, it just shot up in price. I mean, absolutely. I yeah. think that was like a four or $500 book at one point. I don't know if that, it still is or not, but it was at one point. That There's- was the hardest book out of their entire line to get up until I think issue 24 or 25 when they finished off the storyline. And then the value plummeted a little bit because the main character bites the bullet at the end of it. And you're like, Oh, well, damn. So there, there's a part of me to this day that's thought about <laughs> if I ever see it at a con or something like that for, for a cheap price, be like, I'm buying that book just because I've wanted it for so long. So, all right. Um, who's got their, uh, I know everybody took like two publishers. Um, who wants to take their second one? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, I can go, go next. Um, so my, my next one is Boom Studios, founded in 2005, 15 years ago by Ross Ritchie and Andrew Cosby. Um, it looks like they worked in 2004 to re- revive 1980s comic book co- publishing house Atakima Press. While working with them, they cut a deal with Keith Geffen and J.D. DeMattis to publish the series Hero Squad and Hero, Squ- uh, Hero Squared, rather, not Hero Squad, and Hero Squared Extra. Um when he was when they were this, their first official pub- publication as just boom was Zombie Tales number one, a horror anthology series that was released in June of, of 2005. Um, you know, during this time, they were focusing on a lot of original series by veterans, you know, such as Hero Squad, Planetary Brigade, um, and tale, tales like Zombie Tales and Cthulhu Tales and things such as that. Um, it's, it's funny to note that in June 2017, 20th Century Pop Box 
purchased a minority stake in Boom Studios valued at $10 million, which I was pretty impressed with because I didn't realize that they were that a minority stake in Boom would be that high, but pretty cool. Um, When Walt Disney bought out 20th Century Fox, they inherited that stake in Boom. So let's 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 hang on for a second. 20th Century Fox bought Boom before Mm -hmm. Disney came into the picture. Right. So what property? What property do you think they were looking at to make a movie out of? Because if you're a movie, if you're a movie studio, the only reason you would buy a stake in a comic book company is if you wanted to do one of the properties as a movie. Right. Um, I'm I'm betting they were looking at, and I kind of really hope this is true because it might still happen. I'm betting they were looking at irredeemable and incorruptible. That could have been that, that. Those were very popular books by uh, by Boom. You've mentioned them before on other shows. That you know how much you how much you enjoyed them. So you know those are big time. But you know, like I said, Disney now owns that stake in in Boom because they bought out 20th Century Fox. So in April of this year, Boom established a first look television deal with Netflix. So basically, oh, mama. Disney owns the until 2021. They own the right for film project, boom film projects, and Netflix owns the rights for boom TV projects. So we may be getting. So who knows that? I would think. I would think your incorruptible and your irredeemable might be better on Netflix. No, a, I'll tell you exactly what you're going to do on Netflix. One of the best horror stories being written right now. Something that's killing the children. There you go. Uh, out of boom. Netflix, I guarantee you, is going to scoop that up. You, you agree, Olivia? That'd be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think I think that you're probably right there. I haven't read that, but I've heard many a great thing about it. And you've, you've talked about it as well. So that would be a good place for that to land. And that's definitely right up their alley, too. Yes, yeah, I, I can see that coming next year. That Well, let's hope. I mean, I'd, I'd love to see, you know, you know, the more comic book related TV shows and movies we have, the better. I mean, there's there's no especially that. Um, the way um, Kieran's been writing that, you can tell that it is Kieran, right? That's that's writing that book. Um, you can tell that that is set up for a long haul. This is not like uh, a five issue series where he's going to wrap it all nice and pretty. There's been established this whole organization, and that this monster hunting has been going on for you know millennia, basically. Mm-hmm. So, so there's some a- of their some of their current books are we talked about them earlier with Dark Horse, Angel, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer are now at Boom. Um, looks like they have a book based on 80s super movie, Big Trouble in Little China. Um, remember, looks, too, uh, but remember, too, Boom is where, um, oh, my God, right right out of there. Um, Keanu Reeves, that's where his Berserker series is coming. It's coming there, yep. Uh, Firefly is, is there. And, you know, I know that the book that you look forward to every month you know, the most is here, and that is WWE, the comic book. No, I don't think so. <laughs> so, Randy, answer me this. Answer me this. Billion-dollar question. Billion-dollar question. No, and I would not buy a WWE book if Tom King wrote it. You would not. You would not buy a WWE book by Tom King. Serious. I'm hovering over the mute for you, Randy. Just give me the word. <laughs> I'm sure if Tom King was writing the adventures of Seth Rollins in the WWE book that you would purchase it. Uh, no. I wouldn't even buy that. Yeah, see, we I have like some Russell. taste. All right. I like so, Russell, but I can't stand that fool. All right. Livia, who's your second publisher? This one's real quick because it's an up and coming. Um, AWA Comics, super popular. It's almost surprising how popular it is. But pretty much anything they put out, it's been 
hugely popular and very well received. Um, the Resistance is a big one. That's kind of like a Terminator-esque movie. Hotel, Red Border, Devil's Highway, American Ronin, Bad Mother, Year Zero. Basically your classic apocalyptic, like horror, sort of dark. Think more like Neil Gaiman, stuff like that. They do it really well. Um, they've been putting out a lot of titles too. They actually were founded in November 2018. So it's a very recently up and coming company. And they were, um, that Mike Diodato Jr. left uh, Marvel for? Isn't that the company that Mike Diodato Jr. left Marvel for? There's a few of them. There's a few Marvel um, artists and everybody. Axel Alonzo, Bill Jamez, and Jonathan Perkins Miller were the three that started it. Two of them were from Marvel, and then the other one was from Fandom. Oh, Fandom. God, yeah, what a cluster. <laughs> that. Never mind. We don't, we're not going to go there. Um, so, well, I'll just remember, Fandom is the one that had all that um, – hoopla just a couple of months ago and everybody is leaving and we won't go there. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. So AWA, Olivia, thank you. I forgot. I, I wanted to make sure you mentioned them cause you did talk about them earlier and we need to make sure that, um, especially for a lot of the newer collectors that are looking for new companies to jump on. That's a great one to start with. The cool thing that they do too, is they put out their series and then they very quickly flip it into a trade paperback. So if you have a hard time tracking down the individual issues, you can still catch up on the series fairly quickly. Awesome. Um, one of the ones that I'm kind of really liking, they're not that big a company. Um, well, hang on, let me rephrase that. They're a big company, but they're only seem to be publishing like four characters right now. Um, but that's dynamite entertainment, um, from, Currently was or started as uh, Devil's Due Publishing. Now it's with, uh, I believe, Dynamic Publishing. They are currently living off of Red Sonja and Vampirilla, but they're living rather well off of it, I might add. Um, but they did start with an Army of Darkness limited series, um, which was published under um, Devil's Due Publishing or started until they started self-publishing. Then they also did Xena. Um, they are another one who are living... Um, greatly off of the licensed character. So they did um, Dracula book. They did some Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. They did the Wolfman, Frankenstein's monster, but army of darkness, Xena warrior princess. Uh, I believe they also as well had a, um, uh, a short lived phantom series there as well. Enos. The last phantom. Yep. And then, but they also uh, did Battlestar Galactica and they had uh, a Lone Ranger series. And I don't think a lot of people knew this. They got Guardians as the boys when they left Wildstorm and they're actually <laughs> currently doing the boys, Dear Becky now, um, which of course came about thanks to the success of the, the, the TV show. Um, and I was looking at it um, a couple of days ago. It looks like they're currently doing three Red Sonja titles, one of them that she's just uh, in the ensemble, so that's four of them. There's four Vampirella titles, one of them where she's just like the ensemble member, so there's like at least five of them. Then they're doing something called Dynamite, which is D-I-E, like, you know, die, um, which looks like it's um, almost like uh, everybody in the Dynamite universe dies or is in danger, what have you. But then they're also doing... um, some George R.R. R. Martin stuff with Clash of Kings and a James Bond big things. Um, but so like I said, they seem to be living off of Red Sonja Vampirilla right now, but that's just for the moment. I mean, they still do other stuff. They did a Green Hornet series as well um, back in 2010. 
So that is another company that if you like a lot of the licensed characters or if you just want to read something that's not a superhero, not Marvel DC, Dynamite is another good one as well. And They're they, also doing um, a lot of tie-ins with the Archie comics series. Yes, yeah. they are. They do, like Red Sonia and Betty meets Veronica and weird stuff like that. Oh, that was such back a good book, podcast. though. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it's coming back in May. Um, coming back in May with number 12. That, that series is a lot better than it has any right to be. So if you haven't read that, what's really funny is apparently Red Sonia and Van Farilla meet up um, through other some weird quirk of fate. They're now best buddies, even though they're from the opposite universe. They are chasing this great evil and they follow it through this portal that leads them to Archie's world in Riverdale. And it basically houses itself in Riverdale High School, which is how they meet up with Betty and Veronica. And from the very first issue, you're like, this is really good. <laughs> and you're like, I'm going to go ahead and read issue two. And then issue two, you're like, God, this is really good. <laughs> so yeah, as weird of a crossover as um, Transformers and My Little Pony. Right. Last month. Yeah, I'm probably not going to check that one out, though. But this one was a lot better than it had any. <laughs> yeah, every month I read that, I was thinking, this shouldn't be that good of a book. You know, they're, they're all fluff characters. Why is this so well written? <laughs> yeah, it was it was great. It's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Especially when you find out that one of the great evils, well, I'm not going to ruin it for you, but if you haven't read it, I think the trades are out now anyway. Mm-hmm. Red Sonja Van Fruilla, Meet Betty and Veronica, pick it up. It's it's a lot better read than you'll expect it to be. Um, Enos, who's your second publisher? Or did you cover both of yours? Mine is um, I have now comics. Um uh, nineteen eighty eight. Uh, Tony Capullo, who was the editor in chief and founder, started putting out um, license, but got the license to um, Astro um, anime classics like Astro Boy and Steed Racer. But he really started to hit his stride in 1989 with the acquisition of the license to the Green Hornet, the Ghostbusters, and the Terminator franchise, which introduced uh, to, uh, to this artist some dude named Alex Raw. Yeah, I don't know that guy. And they did um, movie tie-ins like, yeah, um, little. They also did movie tie-ins like with Little Monsters, uh, Fright Night, and they even had this um, humor book called Ralph Snart. I never did that. Just too stupid. And they they really put Fred Bunch to the Green Hornet in the promotion of there, which is written by Ron Fortier and Jeff Butler. And this is the actual poster that came with the, um, which came with the promo of the book that you get for free in comic shops. And it's a pretty high commodity right now. Can everybody see that? Yes. I and, think. Um, and, and if you notice, Cato is female. So I this s- actually, this series, yes. Nothing. And the um, the um, they really put a lot of their money into the Green Hornet because the Fortier actually created a legacy for the character. You had the 1940s Green Hornet, who um, the story, the series kicks off with his final cases, the Green Hornet. Then we see his nephew, who was his brother's son, Britt the Second, who was named um, after his uncle. Brit the second come into the pitch and take over as the Green Hornet in the early sixties. There was a um, and then we went in, and the Cato family is actually the first Cato 
um, is actually the father of the Bruce Lee Cato that we know that we've known for known for years. But Bruce Lee's Cato, whose name was Hayashi, had a sister named Mishi, who was half French and half um, Japanese. And she went on to figure prominently into the series by being the first female Kato, and she held her own. But then she got hooked up with this clown named, with this gangster by the name of Johnny Dollar, who turned her into a murderous vigilante called the Crimson Wasp, which brought back um, the Hayashi Kato after a um, strained relationship with Britt Reed after his, um, his nephew, Alan. Uh, who was the brother of the current Green Hornet, Paul Reed, in that series, was killed on his first mission. And this series um, ran up to 1993 and probably is quite arguably one of the best Green Hornet series ever written. And even though Dynamite's doing their thing with it, other than with the Kevin Smith movie script um, adaptation, it's kind of hard to touch what 48 did with um, the Green Hornet. And like I said earlier, there was a miniseries called Terminator the Burning Earth, which introduced us to Alex Ross. Once this put him on the map, Marvel Comics got a hold of him the next year. Now, in 1989. Gave him some real money. 92. Exactly. Marvel Comics got a hold of him from Marvel. And it's cliche, but the rest is history. So and now now comics is no longer around either, right? Um, uh, so now comics now comics folded. Now now comics first Comico. A lot of those guys, unfortunately, um, were casualties of the of the '90s market collapse um, with all the various yeah. covers and cars, and you know DC and Marvel barely came out of it. A lot of the smaller companies just they didn't. They were gone. All right, so that was that's a good episode, guys. Next week, we are actually going to be doing a second part of Independence, but we're going to focus right on Image because, let's face it, when it comes to Independence, Image is probably the company you want to be working for now if it's not the big two, right? Mm-hmm. Um, want to remind everybody the three magic words of the Internet. Please like, share, and subscribe. Um, yeah, visit man. us at facebook.com slash lost in a long box, and then we have also facebook.com slash Comics. Do I have that correct, Olivia? Yes. And then our associated Facebook groups for the the podcast, Batman Yesterday, Today, and Forever, Realm of Superheroes, Comics, and Pop Culture, Gather Together the Greatest Superhero Teams. Drop us a line, please, at lostinlongbox at gmail.com, because Tommy is lonely. And remember, also, Madman has Shot Monkey Radio every Tuesday from 6 to 7 p.m. here on FXBG Public Radio. And then, of course, show us some love at patreon.com slash FXBG Public Radio. Everybody, have a good week. We'll talk to you next week. Good night, everyone. Bye. Have a good night. Good night, everyone.